This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by Paraswap. You'll hear more about them later on in this episode. What is up, everyone? I am Charlie Shrem, and you are listening and watching another awesome edition of Untold Stories, where twice a week together, we get to dive deep with some of, some of crypto's most influential leaders, the Web3 movement, Bitcoin, the metaverse, really to understand kind of how all these movements came to be, you know, how they started, where we are right now. Are we in the first inning, the seventh inning, you know, as it relates to the nine inning baseball, for those who don't know, and to really understand where we're going in the future, talk to some of the coolest people. We get to have a lot of fun and get to understand different aspects of different businesses and industries and how they all work together. And today we have Paul Rugesh, part of the, the Bet You whole ecosystem. And I, and I use that ecosystem very specifically on purpose. Paul, thank you so much for coming on Untold Story today. Thank you very much, Charlie. It's a privilege to be here. Yeah, man, it's a it's a privilege to have you. And and the the Bet You platform is really cool because you know we're talking about fantasy, we're talking about gaming, we're talking about you going for for the the competition of the ones like FanDuel and DraftKings, Bet three six five. Um, but you're doing it with with a token that kind of governs everything. But kind of the coolest thing that I like about this, and I've never seen. You know, this is when we talk about like watershed moments or like socioeconomic changes. Forever, we've all known people that the house is the house. The bet maker is the bet maker, the casino that you're in or the person who creates the bets. But on the bet you platform, it's like uh, you have like three different participants. You have the bet maker, the bet taker, and like you have the bet winner or the community member. You have all these different people involved. Do you, and it's all governed by the governance token. Do you think? over the long term, all the other traditional type of fantasy sports or gaming or gambling will move to this model that allows people to like create their own bets? Is that the future? Does it help or hurt you guys? I'm not sure if every every other platform will move to a model like this, but I definitely think that we'll be in a position to shape change moving forward, um, both with the way we, we use the token, also the things we're trying to do with the charity aspect of of part of the winning fees will actually go to help fund um, gamblers' help and things like that. Because we're not purely profit-driven like, say, a, a Bet365, there's a lot of things we can do that will help build the ecosystem. Um, and in terms of involving other, other parties, most of that is to do with the issues with being a decentralized network is determining winners of results. You've got to have a feed, obviously, for every different outcome of every event. And so by op having the, the option in the future where we'll have referees to determine results of outcomes, that's when we'll open up the, um, the events to absolutely anything. And so well, we think there's huge ramifications real too. For the referees. Well, for any, any business model, when you have smart contracts, but then you have the ability for referees or like arbitration, it's not only for sports and, and fantasy. It, it could be for anything. You could put the whole justice system on a blockchain. For sure. And I think even things like where blockchain should have gone, which it's not being used, is like we were just talking before we went on onto your show about like COVID, for example. To me, I think like the whole vaccination and things, that's what blockchain really should be used for. Things like that and elections is a real critical um, thing. And we feel with what we're doing with the betting industry with the bets to, to have all bet details uploaded on chain makes an enormous amount of sense. And also to have a single currency 
that is used for payments of those bets. If you've got people cross-border, you know, you have someone in Hong Kong, for example, betting against someone in Germany, it makes sense to have a single currency that you would bet with. Obviously, there's one thing that will, it'll be interesting to see how we go is with the fluctuation of, um, of the token when we actually start to take on some serious volumes of bets. It'll be interesting uh, to see how people perceive that and whether we will have to adopt more of like a stable currency. But at this stage, everything will be driven with the BetU token. Okay, so tell me about the BetU platform. Like what are what are the users? Because you're not just talking about like where I go to on a, on a website and I play uh, cards or I play poker or whatever. And I'm, there's not really a community there. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a token holder of that. So I don't really have, care in the future of the platform or the people that are involved. Like, what have you noticed? What are some things that you notice the users kind of care about and and changes that they want or upgrades or provably fair, things like that, that now that you have access to, you know, the users and there's a relationship there, you can kind of have more direct interactions with with your customers. Yeah, for sure. So at this stage, the the betting platform still to be rolled out. So we've just so far rolled out Bet Your Fantasy, which is a free-to-play game which is where they're basically giving people the thrill and of the thrill and excitement of sports betting and esports betting without actually any risk. So they've got to hold the token, but they're never actually at risk. And so, so far we've rolled out the NBA and the English Premier League. Uh, we've got UFC coming up in a couple of weeks. But we, we're using all that data and all the feedback from the game, which then will roll out into the actual betting platform, which will launch to the latter part of uh, December. Um, and so we can get all that data that helps us build and improve. And the, the community is a real driver for that through like Telegram, especially where they're always suggesting improvements. This is how we're using it. This is what we want to see. We feel one thing which will really go well for us is when we include the esports because they have that real community. Yeah. And when we, we're trying to include the, the different streams and things from say like League of Legends and Counter-Strike, et cetera, where so people will be able to be watching the game and watching their favorite streamers live on our platform and then placing their fantasy bets uh, within within our platform, not have to go anywhere else. We feel that's where we'll tap into a real great audience. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think the uh, the way the community is in crypto, it's like everyone gets really behind it. And so it's been, it's been great for us. And I think moving forward, that's what's going to hold us in a real good stead in comparison when we do eventually try and compete with the big guys like you mentioned, DraftKings and Bet365 and those sort of guys. You're, you're building a system from the ground up that's provably fair because, because, I mean, that's what Satoshi actually put in. A lot of people don't know this. Satoshi put in some, some small uh, uh, code for, for, for online poker in the original Bitcoin code, the original, original OG code. There were some, some lines in there for like shuffling cards, I think, uh, 52 card deck, things like that. Um, and some people speculate as to Satoshi wanted to show that this technology is not just about money, but can it be used for something like provably fair shuffling a card deck? What else, what other type of things? Because it's not just about the token here. A lot of people like, oh, you know, uh, crypto gaming or sports fantasy or gambling or casino. It's all just about a token and things like that. That's not what this is about. This is about rebuilding the house, rebuilding yeah. and having provably transparent, uh, 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 provably fair and transparent, like, like whole system here. But how does it work? Because, and I, and I'd like for you to explain some of the ways that it can work now, 
but really some of the ways it'll work in the future because I understand how you can have like a simple piece of code that uses the time of the day, the timestamp of the moment, and a bunch of other random information, have the players, this, you know, traits or whatever, generate random 52 cards. And you can prove that based on like the unspent outputs and inputs on the Bitcoin uh, platform. But then you have like League of Legends you mentioned. If two people are playing something in there and the bet maker wants to create a bet on that and the other people want to take that bet, how do you prevent that game from getting manipulated? Or do you, do, does the DAO or does the, your community only allow other games to be or other different type of uh, uh, sports or whatever be able to be bet on on the platform itself? I mean, this is crazy stuff that you have to deal with here. Well, so we wouldn't be able to dictate the way the game is played. So if people were making bets on a League of Legends game, we couldn't prevent the you know, any um, fraud or anything happening or, you know, fixed results happening within the game. But we can prove the outcome of the result. Um, and so it'll be up to the bet makers and bet takers to determine that. Uh, the other way we're using, we're using Chainlink's um, verifiable randomness function in terms of det- uh, offering additional rewards within Fantasy. So to prove, because we want people to participate, and even if, say, if they're not, not good at the game, They'll still have a chance at rewards, and so by using um, the VRF function, is we can do that as offer rewards to sort of people, and we can prove that it is random, as opposed to just saying, "Yeah, these are the random winners," where everyone's like, "Oh, it's never me." We can actually prove now that this is it was random. But with the, back onto the actual betting side, we're going to use the same um, VRF functionalities with with Chainlink to determine who would actually be the referees of outcomes of, say, that League of Legends game. So that people, the referees would need to hold the, the bet you token, for example, and then we would use the, that function to determine who would be the referee of the different outcomes. Um, but that's only if we don't, can't have to have an Oracle feed to determine the results. So in the early days, as we are now, most of the results are fed automatically to us through whether it's through one of the data feeds um, whether it's Sport Radar or in, in the eSport, it'll be Pandascore or Odin, for example. They'll feed us the actual outcomes. But when we want to open it up to everything, that's when we'll use the more of the, the blockchain functionality with Chainlink to determine who should be the referee and the outcomes and all bet details will be uploaded on chain. So there's no real opportunity for people to try and cheat the system. And if they do, similar to like as in Bitcoin, where you would be paying for the electricity, you're going to lose like a portion of the bet you've placed down. What do you like? So, so uh, we've had a lot of guests on the show and, and, and lately one of the themes that I've been noticing is that the different projects are talking about partnerships with other projects. And that makes me really happy because that means we don't need to rely on like external companies to make our industry kind of work and operate. What does something like Chainlink provide for BetU? Well, it's that, it's that verifiable randomness function is the main thing that they're providing for us. So it's an integration with them where we can we plug into their system and then they'll, they'll give us the, the, um, the results and then we can prove to the community that those, those referees for it were in fact random or those winners of the Bet You Fantasy competition were actually random. And so that's one of the main things that we're using. We'll also use them for some price feeds and things through our exchange um, moving forward. But the BRF is the main thing we're using them for. What are um, what are what do people bet on? I'm just curious. Like, how do people play fantasy? 
uh, right now, you're saying that that they're they're actually playing with more fantasy money, and it's not the actual platform is not set up yet. Do you think users' behaviors will change once they're playing with with you know money that they've put in? Yeah, I definitely think they'll change. So at the minute, there's the <laughs> the English Premier League and the the NBA, but the way it works is because I had when we first started BetU, we had um, we went out to you know a bunch of the influencers and things that I've worked with previously, and there were some that come back and said, "Oh, we won't promote um, the sports betting," and I was like, "What?" Because to me, it's like you know, they're, they're happy to promote these random crypto projects, which they don't know who the founders are. Yeah. They don't really know what they're actually doing, but as long as they're being paid, they're happy to promote it. And to me, it's like Tom Brady's trying to win that game of football. It's like to say you wouldn't promote sports betting over, over some of these crypto projects was really surprising to me. And then I thought we wanted to create something that was all inclusive. And there's a huge audience, as you're aware, that, that, that love, love to be involved in cryptocurrency and things, but certainly can't afford to be gambling and can't afford to be losing, but still love their sport. So like when we tap into areas of South America and Asia and things, we still love their, their Premier League or their NBA. So by this, we can give them an opportunity to play something and still support their teams, but also give them a chance to win some money uh, every single week. So we're really excited just to be able to give it all inclusive. And as you yourself from America, obviously America has very strict um, gaming gaming yeah. laws and every state is very different from each other as well. So with our initial license out of Curacao, we won't have access to America and then a couple of other countries. So by providing a game where it's free to play and it's a play to earn model, we can offer it to absolutely anyone. There is no restrictions because it is only a game. Yeah, there's the the laws in the US come down to like how is the outcome of the game set? And if there's like more and I don't know understand the law, but if it's like a game where it's like a flip of a coin, then there's one then there's like like a uh if you're playing blackjack or, or poker or whatever, or blackjack or uh uh you know, craps, roulette, things like that, versus like sports fantasy, even though there's money involved there's a various degree of skill and like all the outcomes aren't set by like a machine. But the, the question I have now, but so if you can provably fair, if you can show provably fair for like a Bitcoin blackjack, then shouldn't that kind of fall into the sports betting regulation? See how like the laws don't really work now. Well, the regulation is more just on the state based in terms of profit, I believe, in, the, in terms of the money side of things. Um, and I think that now America is starting to roll out. It was two thousand and the Supreme um, Supreme Court in two thousand and eighteen, where they lifted the ban on um, gambling in different states because there was a federal law. So now, as you'll see, that the more states are rolling out, but it's still on a state to state basis. So every one has still is still illegal in a lot, um, which that'll change over time. And I'm sure it won't be too long till all the uh, yeah. all the the great majority of states have legalized it. This is another like kind of thing that I think about too, is that culture has been largely uh, geographical where you, you know, even people now they move to a place, a friend of mine moved to Florida because it's more Republican leaning. Like people want to live around other like-minded people. Maybe it's religion, maybe it's like cultural based or whatever, but that's changing. You know, we've been moving into this digital world. Now we're going to be living in these hybrid worlds of, you know, half the time, 
on the internet half the time, maybe in, in real life or whatever lingo we use and things like that. So when we talk about laws and regulations, they've always been like geography based, geographically based. And then you've never had companies like yourself just say, okay, we can't accept Americans. We're just not going to do it. They've always like wanted to have that. But now the world is moving to like, you're living the digital nomad life yourself. It doesn't matter where you live. doesn't matter how you live. You don't have to live in a physical place where other people are like-minded like you because uh, culture is, is on the internet now. We're all Bitcoiners. We're all crypto folk. We're all like what we like. We hang out on forums and chat boards and things like that uh, uh, for what we do. And I think that's really a beautiful thing. How are, you, how are you enjoying that digital nomad life instead of like living in one place all the time? Yeah, well, as I mentioned before, I'm over in Bali now and been here since the start of Corona. And it's been a magnificent experience from a selfish perspective um, where Bali is such a beautiful island, especially when the tourism isn't as popular as it usually was. You know, I think there's five million people that used to come here oh. each year um, or at any one time. Sorry, there's five million people on the island and it's only a fraction of that now. And it's, it's just such a pretty place. Obviously, it's very sad for what's happened to a lot of people around the world. Um, but it is, it is, it has been an amazing experience where I was in Los Angeles at the start of the whole Corona epidemic and it was just going mad with people lining up at the gun stores yeah. and the empty, uh, empty convenience stores, etc. So, but Bali's got a really big crypto community itself. So there's a lot of people and I think more and more people are, are getting into it. Um, you know, even I'm not sure if you're familiar with Ubud in Bali, but it's sort of like. You know, more sort of like a yogi environment. Now they're doing sort of different crypto meetups and things. So yeah. everyone from all walks of life are now touching into it, which is a beautiful thing. And when you when you mentioned about the you know the different way people are communicating, we're actually we just started our um, work sort of a bet you verse where it'll be like a, a metaverse uh, hotel and resort and casino, which we're looking at building out where it'll have all the fantasy games and stuff that people will be able to walk around and actually mingle at the bar. And then you'll have the, this VIP suites and all that sort of thing. So we're, um, we're trying to really world? get in. Are you going to build your own world for this or will you join yeah, another that's world? We're, we're exploring a few different options. We'll definitely join other worlds such as Decentraland and Sandbox and things for the purpose of, of, like of advertising at the very least. But we're, we're trying to explore all options there of what, what is going to be the best way. But it's pretty exciting just to let the imagination run and get some different people onto it. Because I feel that world where, you know, it is a full fantasy. So you can let your whole imagination run wild and let the people's imagination run wild of what they want to do. And by providing them a really cool environment, um, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Someone asked me the other day a question I didn't know how to answer. He said, will the dark web have a metaverse? And I was like, whoa, I didn't think about that. Like, what would that, what would like a, you know, like a metaverse second life Silk Road look like? It's a scary thought to think about, like un, un kind of governed. And what would governance sure actually look like in these worlds? What, what would be the point of having a dark web metaverse? It's scary to even talk about it's like Hotel California on a dark yeah, desert I think, highway. I'm sure they'll be able to make ways of it, though. That's for sure. There's, uh, you know, I think it's just a, also, you know, you've, yeah, it is, it is a lot to think about, isn't it? I, I get scared when I get asked a question I don't know how to answer. Um, so now yeah, I start asking I was just else. thinking that I started to talk and realized I'm not sure where I'm going with that one. But that's a, no, it's a crazy, it's a crazy thing. And, and, but I, like you said, so, so what you're doing though, 
and this is what I like doing on the show, is that this is, has much bigger ramifications than just like fantasy sports and simple things like betting. This is the future of DAOs. This is the future of decentralized autonomous organizations and understanding human behavior on the internet with their own money. That data is priceless. I mean, what you're doing here is you're not just gathering data, but you're able to create predictable different like uh, 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 synapses and connections and things like that and kind of understand user behavior when it comes to not just betting, but it's like creating different businesses and then having people borrow against it and have, you know, a digital, what does it look like when you have a, when you build that hotel, you have a digital painter. Someone comes in there as a painting company or someone comes in there, builds the flooring for you. What is that like? How are the materials are, are building materials going to be a finite resource? Like it is in the world that we have it today. How is that? Or can you just create unlimited amount of building materials? Because then what's the point of real estate? There's just so much that you don't think about, but bet you is, so you're going to have all these different worlds, but you're going to have a lot of these different Oracle type things and data, different data driven mechanisms that will, uh, transverse all these different worlds. And it'll be data that will be pulled upon and people will want to have interoperability and their, their data and their NFTs and things that you own, whether it's your art or like a representative, a piece of real estate. That needs to be able to go from world to world to world to world to world. And that's why this is all very exciting. It gets me, it gets me kind of crazy. Well, for the, for the um, real estate and things, the way we're going to do it at this stage is through suites. So like you would own a suite, whether it's the penthouse, sub penthouse, different level things. And then they would be able to create their, their suite, however they wanted it to be. And then we'd have different, um, different, events and and uh facilities on different levels of the of the hotel but we're also looking at, at at what's going to be more popular in terms of say like the betting side of the casino side are people in in their metaverse or in the in the bet verse are they going to want to bet on events in the real world or are they going to want to bet on uh, on other events that are in the metaverse so whether it's whether it's you know like a z run horse racing or yeah. We create we create our own other games within the metaverse. Like it'll be interesting to see whether people still will be falling back to the traditional sports that are in the real world, but through their metaverse character, um, all that data will be will be quite fascinating. Sorry to interrupt your regularly scheduled programming, but I wanted to tell you guys that if you're using PancakeSwap, Uniswap, DYDX, SushiSwap, you're doing it wrong. You need to be using PowerSwap because PowerSwap is a user interface, a decentralized smart contract platform that sits on top of all of these. And when you go to Paraswap or untoldstories.link forward slash Paraswap, because they're refunding your gas, if you go there, then you'll be able to, on top of Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain, and Polygon, look for the best prices for your tokens and swap and do everything in one predefined transaction on chain, instead of having to do the approval to this token, to that token, to do all these different things, Paraswap does it all for you. It's decentralized. They just released their API version five that you can see everything. It's all open source. Very cool stuff. Untoldstories.link forward slash Paraswap. If you're using any of the other decentralized protocols, you're doing it wrong because you need to be using the routing, beautiful Paraswap routing system. And it's fully decentralized too. It's gorgeous. Talk to you guys soon. If you gave every, you know, English Premier League player 
a NFT of themselves with attributes of themselves, but then understanding how these are scarce, finite attributes that only can be passed down certain ways. And then you can have your players go in and actually start playing each other in some of these games. And you have one-on-one basketball or like, you know, one-on-one football and things like that. People, where do you think they'd be betting? Would they be betting on those two people playing in a basketball court or a, you know, a soccer, a football pitch or whatever? I don't know, is it called soccer pitch, football pitch? I, I don't know. What I call it soccer, but the yeah, uh, I mean, English people will be very upset. It's what are they going to be betting on? Them, so. They're going to be betting on the, the, the in the world, in the Web3 metaverse, or they're going to be betting on the real... What? Where does the line... What if one day the players start controlling... The, the NFT starts controlling us? And I know it's stupid, and it's well, funny to think about... That's the possibility, isn't it? This is going to happen in 20 years. Like, this future... The, it's going to make... Soon? There's going to be a huge... Okay, so there's going to be... And, I, and I've been kind of, kind of coming to this over the last few months... There's, we're going to about to go through a huge period of discomfort for all humanity and human humanity. We like, we find, we find comfort in routine. We find comfort in uh, the same. We find comfort in the constant. We want everything to be the same. Yeah. We'll go out and, and, and kill and steal and lie and cheat just to keep things the same. When you experience your first day in prison, you have to learn how to immediately adapt, especially if you're going to be doing some time. That taught me that humans, like myself included, we are more successful when we're forced into pressure of change. But a lot of people can't handle it. People fail. And so humanity over the next decade or so, we're gonna, we're go, we've, go, we've been going through it for the past two years. It's uncomfortable. Every day you wake up with anxiety. You're living in Bali. You can't see your family back home. It's just there's so much sadness and discomfort, but also amazingness. People are making a lot of money buying properties for the first time. There's a lot of good and a lot of bad, but you, you can't argue with me that it's created discomfort. And discomfort is where a lot of lines are going to be blurred now. What's the metaverse? What's the real world? Where's the line? It's going to be a lot of, and people don't like when lines are not clearly defined. Do you kind of think that, I mean, it's one of the reasons that you moved out to Bali, probably. You said you saw people lining up buying guns in LA. I mean, I, that would make me move to Bali too. <laughs> but do you think people... I sort of feel like the metaverse is going to be people's escape from that reality. So if they That's are getting scary. if they are getting anxious and things like that in their real life, they're going to switch off and go in into their their metaverse world because then they can they can sort of they're going to have more control over their metaverse world. Well, they shouldn't say that, but that's how a lot of people are going to feel if they feel trapped and they they're not in a good space in the real world. They'll escape to the metaverse where they feel they can be whoever they want in that world. They feel like they they can have more opportunities in a metaverse world than in the real world, which is scary and it's sad. But unfortunately, I feel that's the way it's going. You know, you already see like with all even like the consumables and the cars and things that are being bought and sold within the metaverse of how they want their metaverse character to look. I feel that the the, the characters, their metaverse characters' appearance is going to be just as important, or maybe even more important than their actual real appearance. Yeah, and that's uh, it's a it's a scary it's a scary thought, but it's happening, and you're already seeing you know people. I had some friends recently buy a, a few car NFTs for I think it was like four or five thousand dollars, and it's like that's uh, probably four or five times worth more than yeah, my right. first car, you know, <laughs> and it's like. You know, you could never drive that, but their little metaverse character will get around in it. Do you think that 
metaverse world will be owned by like a few corporations because that that would be i mean that would be detrimental that would be like one or two governments running the whole world you'd yeah, have no, no monopolies you'd have no you'd be a slave i think it's um just the way the world is it's going to be you know there's so many popping up now and then there's going to be one or two will come and rule it similar to like social media has done in the in the world now you know you had myspace and then facebook and now now it's Instagram and there's a few new ones like Twitch and things that are really coming up in different segments. But uh, you'll find that I think that whether it is Facebook or sorry, now the meta themselves have come out and said that. So whether they're, you know, and obviously with their, their resources they have over other companies, especially other startups and things is, you know, the gap is enormous and it, it's probably cannot be, the gap yeah. can't be closed. So what they can produce and the worlds that they can create for people they might even be able to do it so much more where the, the individual has so much more um, programming options to create their little world so much greater than any other facility would. So I do think that they will eventually, whether it'll sort of be like a merger and acquisition thing um, or just like takeovers or whether yeah. they just beat everyone outright, it'll be interesting to see. But unfortunately, I think uh, it'll work out like that, similar to the social medias. Because so like centralized unless and we can all yeah, unless we can combine it or, you know, they figure out ways where you can go from one to the other, as you mentioned just before, because otherwise you're, you're really going to go to the, the metaverse that where the most people are or where you feel you're going to make more friends or, or meet, a, meet a partner or whatever you're going to do with what your goals are in that metaverse. Um, unless you'll be able to jump from one to the other, you're going to be where most of the people are because sort of that sheep mentality, you know. It's true. You go to where all of the people are. That is such a very, that is the most important statement that you've said, because you are, you've been a marketing guy your whole life. You've uh, started and founded machinesales.com and uh, you started working with a, you know, a bunch of different other decentralized projects and now bet you. So when we're talking about that, how is marketing kind of different in crypto versus non? And really, I like to ask this question too, is that What's your superpower? And, and, and what I mean by that is like, everyone has an edge. Something about you makes you tick or you're better than, than everyone else. What is it about you? What habits do you have that makes you, that you'll never change, that makes you like feel like you're awesome? Well, I feel in terms of this space is just being uh, honest and transparent about where things are at within the business and what we're doing. I feel in crypto, one of the biggest things you see, you know, you have autonomous teams and things like that. Um, sorry, it's all of us, anonymous teams, is by having someone that people can actually trust and, and believe in. And I've always been yeah. a believer that you, you need to tell people, especially when they're putting their hard-earned money into something you're doing, the, the least you can do is tell them exactly what's happening and where things are at. Um, and I feel that just having the, that's one of probably the most important skill I believe I have is where people actually have, have trust in what I'm trying to do. Um, and I'll always be honest with them about where, where the project's at, what we're trying to do, and where we're going. And if, if things haven't worked out, then I'll explain why they haven't worked out or why we're changing route. We saw that recently where we put out, we're initially just going to do the, the gaming platform. And then we wanted to pivot to the, the game and the fantasy side as well. So to some people, it's, we've got a bit of backlash because of the gaming license and things. But I feel that by going 
into the Bet You Fantasy, it opens up so many more avenues for us as a as a business and as a as a project that it was really important. But by just by explaining to people the reasons for doing that, I think it alleviates a lot of concerns. But yeah, I feel that's probably I would say my superpower is just the ability for people to sort of have faith and believe in what we what I'm trying to do with the whole Bet You uh, yeah. ecosystem. I like I like doing business with people too that are kind of consistent when things are good and things are bad. It's like if you only hear about when things are good, then it's scary. And in fact, like, um, oh my God, I've screwed up so many times in my life on so many different things. But one of the things that I try to do is is communicate, you know, kind of communicate across the whole time. And actually, you'll earn more trust from people when you communicate in bad times than when you communicate in good times. When you communicate bad things, you give people a sense of relief that, okay, they know the bounds of where you're going to go, good and bad. And that actually is, is a huge thing. You know, a, a, a calm seas never made a good sailor. You got to be in rough seas to learn how to sail. And that's a very important message in life too. Yeah. And I had two really bad experiences when I first got into the cryptos. I was in, in not when I first got into crypto, sorry, but in actually working in the marketing roles, which you mentioned before, where I was just, I was sort of, putting forward what were, what the business was trying to do and I was in no control of the business, then the, the founders just weren't being transparent with it. And as a marketer, when you're trying to push things forward and then the outcomes are not what you've been selling as such, it makes you, you look really bad. And I, lost, I think I lost a lot of trust from some people with, within those organizations, sorry, the people that were supporting them. I was like, well, hey, you know, I, I was as much caught off guard as, as anyone else. And it's just a really bad feeling. And I just don't want anyone to come into bet you looking at anything that's not going to happen. Like whatever we, we say we're going to do, we will do. Um, we're not trying to put any, you know, pie in the sky sort of things to say we're going to do this. We're going to take over the world. I love like Even that. the metaverse. Like it'd be cool to be, you know, to say you're going to create, you know, a new Las Vegas. But, you know, it's not going to happen. Uh, but we're going to create something that's fun and exciting and people can enjoy. And I think just, you know, the whole... Um, under-promising and over-delivering is so important in this space, especially when there is so many opportunities. You know, even myself with the previous projects, you know, I, I missed out on a lot of opportunities because I believed in what I was actually um, selling. Unfortunately, it didn't come true with, with some of the things that they were doing, but, you know, I was caught off guard and then I missed out on a lot of opportunities myself simply because I was waiting for them to happen, not realizing they and some of them still haven't happened and that's a you know a year on and so it's quite distressing and that's a problem with the whole crypto stuff it is one of the biggest issues where it is uh not regulated in a lot of spaces is people and founders can say all these things um to get money in the door but it's it, it doesn't have to be happening and that's sort of one of the key things with you it's know like, like politicians a, yeah and with with <laughs> say like a ceo of a publicly traded company um you know, they've, they've got to be accountable for what they say. But unfortunately in crypto, and that's where sort of my advice to anyone is just to, to do your research in the teams that are actually behind the project um, and see their past and see what they're doing um, because it's it's so important. Paul Ragesh, thank you so much for coming on Untold Stories today, part of the BetU ecosystem, BetU. Everyone can check it out. We'll have it in the show notes. And um, yeah, like, Happy Thanksgiving. And I'm very grateful to, to you. I'm very grateful to my listeners. I'm very grateful to everyone. And I look forward to having you back on the show in six months and hearing about how things have progressed. 
Thank you, Charlie. I really appreciate it. It's a real honor to talk to someone who's been around the game for as long as you have. And happy Thank birthday you. as well. So Thank I'm you. Uh, really, uh, really excited for you and your family to have a day off your phone yesterday yeah, and go it was and amazing. enjoy it. <laughs> I'm going to try enjoy to do it, it again this weekend. I'm going to go to the medieval fair and put on my Viking hat and go and have sword duels with people. I'm very excited. It's like my favorite thing to do. All right, my friends and family, I love you all. I am Charlie Schramm, and I'll talk to you all next week. Ciao.